this is Mike Dilt with the Relax Back UK show on UK Health Radio, your global real feel-good radio station. On the Relax Back UK show we explore all kinds of health topics, so keep listening and enjoy the ride. and thank you for joining me, Mike Dilk, on this week's Relax Back UK show. My guest is Ian Fletcher-Price. He's founder and CEO of Posturite. Posturite provides all kinds of ergonomic office equipment, that sort of thing. I had neck pain and I had made a sloping, adjustable sloping writing board um, to literally, that I, I took to the, the office there and I angled it up to sit up straight like an old-fashioned Victorian lectern. He talks about how he got started in the business the future of work. We even touched on the future of cities. So lots of stuff to think about. Also, I haven't had a rant on the show for a while. So this is a bit of an apology because I start off with one about patience and tolerance. So please do stay tuned for a great show. Thank you. So I've got some things to say about patience and tolerance. So a bit of a rant about them. Maybe it's a bit of an oxymoron to have a rant about patience and tolerance. I've been thinking about them quite a lot recently, and I think they're important attributes. I do try to display them. I try not to be like the Calvin and Hobbes cartoon where Calvin says, every day of my life, I'm forced to add another name to the list of people who piss me off. However, I have to say that is hard, and I'm not always successful in being patient and tolerant. Traffic is especially difficult for me, as my family will tell you. But usually I just get upset with myself for kind of taking the wrong route, something like that, and getting stuck in a jam. However, I have a driving story for you that has been worrying me recently. In the move, in the morning to get out of my drive, I usually have to get into a queue of traffic. And uh, this queue often isn't really moving very far because of a traffic light a little bit along the road. And I often rely on someone letting me out. This particular day in question, there was a slight gap in the traffic, so I quickly reversed out. And the next car in the queue had to wait a split second, maybe one or two seconds, to let me out. But the traffic light was red, so you know no one was moving anywhere. So this couldn't really have done any harm. And the car behind that couldn't go forward because I was reversing out was just that, one car behind. I could lip read uh, the comments of the woman driving the car. They're not repeatable uh, on this show. Uh, The traffic moved on because the the traffic light went to green and the lady behind me was delayed by probably two, maybe three seconds. So not a huge amount in the scheme of things, really. Uh, She was still behind me around 200 yards further on. Uh, She was probably changing colour to a nasty shade of crimson, but I couldn't really see properly. Uh, Then the point is she turned into a nearby girls school to go to work. So this lady works at a school. My thought was I really hope she isn't a teacher at that school because her level of impatience is likely to be passed on to her charges if so. Then I thought more, maybe she's a dinner lady. I'm not sure that's a good thing because food made in anger, in my experience, doesn't taste that great. So anyway, a little rant from me 
Um, I'm going to try and think about being more patient and tolerant. I'm going to try and do it myself. And hopefully, maybe the lady in the car behind me will too. Um, thank you for listening to that little rant. I can't, I can't promise there won't be more rants about other things in the future, but I hope you manage to put up with that one. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. How good are vitamin C supplements? Usually only a small proportion of vitamin C actually reaches your cells and has a positive effect. Whereas the high absorption levels of Goldman Laboratories liposomal vitamin C help maintain optimal vitamin C levels in your body and strengthen your immune system. Now get 10% off when you choose Goldman Laboratories liposomal vitamin C capsules. Just quote 10 off at goldmanlaboratories.com. Do you suffer from pain? B-Cure Laser, a home-use CE-approved medical device for the effective treatment of pain, is now available in the UK. The results of a double-blind trial has shown that B-Cure Laser offers a significant reduction in pain compared to the placebo group. To get your special B-Cure offer now, call free on 0808 501 5122 or Google Radio Pro London. B-Cure Laser. B-Cure Laser. The station that makes you feel good. This week is Ian Fletcher Price. He's founder and CEO of Posturite. And I've known Ian Fletcher Price for a while because he's a customer of mine. I actually sell him some rather lovely chairs. And I was mulling over what I should call him on the show. Mr. Price or Ian. I asked if I could call him Fletch because that's what most people seem to call him. That's perfect. Only my mother calls me Ian. <laughs> I will. I will not tread on her toes. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Well, I, I want to start with a, a, a really sort of basic, basic question, really, um, and that about Posturite. When and why did you start Posturite? Okay. Well, very, very simply, um, I'd had uh, a first career in the Lloyd's reinsurance market. Uh, which lasted nine years and uh, involved two sackings. And I eventually realized at the ripe old age of 26 that um, I needed, you know, I needed control of my own destiny. So uh, I'd had back pain uh, at work. Were you a maverick? The... Is that, did you get sacked because you were a bit of a maverick? Yeah, well, free thinking spirit, really. I was, I was, I was taking, taking the directors down a path they didn't want to go. I was creating, creating new product that actually they weren't, comfortable with but as it turned out proved to be an industry standard after i'd left um so I, it would be a bit sort of uh, um uh, flattering to say i was ahead of the game but it was it was obvious to me but not obvious to them at the time they were taking the path of least resistance and i, I wouldn't take that i was um, keen to sort of make a mark and uh, get, get on with my career and had created this this policy um but it, it went against the director's wishes insofar as it wasn't their thought really i think it was as simple as that and this young upstart was leading them down a path that uh, they weren't quite ready for. Right. So, in a nutshell, I, I, I sulked and um, and I, I I gave up the sort of the, the bright lights of London and moved back down to Sussex to move in with my mother, with nothing much to show for my to my name after nine years, having sort of spent it all and more probably. 
Um, what I did have was I had the experience of having had um, neck pain um, doing the clerical work because in, in those days I don't need any. I, I didn't touch a computer in the whole nine years um, at that time. That was the eighties decade, yeah. and um, so it was. It was. It was written clerical work on the desk, and I had neck pain, and I had made a sloping adjustable sloping writing board. Um, to literally that I, I took to the, the office there and I angled it up to sit up straight like an old fashioned Victorian lectern to actually do the, do the work in, in the Lloyd's market. There's the, the contract note is called a slip and it's a, it's a document. It's a piece of paper you're sort of working on um, for the insurance contracts. So it, it just made much more common sense to me. Uh, the, the only subject that I'd been any good at at school was woodwork. And um, so to, to, to construct a contraption, was just very easy for me that was just just came naturally so in sulking that i was um fed up of working for big companies that didn't treat you very well um i moved back down to sussex moved in with mum and uh, started making these boards uh in the garden shed and then uh, touted them around you know in the week um to try and sell them and the early market was i i, I sort of tried to established where to go and I went to the therapists the people that were treating people with ne neck mm -hmm. pain and back pain yeah so I'd knock on their doors and I'd, I'd, I'd say look this is the product uh, any chance you can promote it to your patients and they'd all gleefully say yes and they'd take take a little handful of brochures and they'd hand the brochures out to their patients and you know a trickle of orders you know came in um and it, that literally was the start that was in 1991 um, so there was no strategic vision. There was no business plan. Uh, it was needs must and um, very much hand to mouth. Okay. Um, but that was the genuine foundation of it. Yeah. And well, I've, I've met you once. And my memory is that you're extremely tall. Did that have anything to do with having having these neck pains? How tall are you? Well, actually, I'm only six foot, but um, I, I'm, so I don't know <laughs> your recollection particularly. But yeah, I'm six foot. Um and yes, height would always be a factor because fixed height desks are a standard height. They're, they're 720 mil, you know, from the floor. So if you are above average height, then you are more prone to having some sort of musculoskeletal issue, you know, in, in your neck. Because by, by sheer definition, if you're looking down and the modern parlance would be laptops, so we'll probably come on to that later in the, in the discussion. But clearly the disconnect between looking down to a laptop, the screen that's attached to the keyboard is, is your head is leaning forward and yep. your head is an incredibly heavy object. Um, I remember as a sales aide in the early days, I had a broomstick with a, a big chunk of wood on the end of it. And I would at exhibitions, trade exhibitions, ask people to hold it at 45 degrees. Right. And of course it's, it's actually quite heavy to hold. Yes. Um, and it was, it was, you know, we called him Ed, E-E-D, we called it Ed. So I sort of say to somebody, hold Ed and now hold it at 45 degrees. Well, that's your head. And that's why you need to sit up straight and you need a sloping writing board or you need better posture at your chair. Um, and such a simple visual aid like that made, made, made people aware of the, of, the, uh, of the obvious, to be honest. Yeah. OK, so, so you, you started off making these writing slopes um, because they, they work for you. Because you, actually, I'm six foot as well. When we met, it must have been your sheer physical presence that seemed you made you, made, made you seem taller. <laughs> but anyway, me, me, moving on, you, you started off with these these writing slopes, and uh, you 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 found kind of a, a need for them. And I, I guess 
how, how did it de develop? You just realized that, you know, people were putting up with pain and that maybe you could help them. Is that pretty much the way it went? Yeah, that is the way it went. Um, as I say, it was it was survival mode to start with. I think there have been a, sort of three distinct phases in the business, but the early stage was survival insofar as I didn't really know what I was surviving for. Was I, was I biding time till I got a proper job? Um, was I just keeping myself busy and in denial that I'd walked away from a, you know, a safe, steady, you know, secure career in the city? Um, you know, friends and family were horrified at what I was doing. Um, and, you know, friends at the cricket club and the pub were equally dismissive of this, you know, single product company, as I would now refer to it as. But again, I didn't know even that sort of terminology at the time. Um, I, I was so naive as a businessman. It's, it's not true. Um, but learning by the seat of your pants has been the most amazing experience. But uh, that, that's leaping too far forward. What happened for the first few years was, you know, turned over £30,000 in the first year and lost thirty five. Um, next year turned over £90,000 and lost, you know, another £10,000. Um, but I felt, you know, it was progress and we were going in the right direction, despite the fact that something called a balance sheet was now looking at minus, minus 45. And I had absolutely no idea what a balance sheet was. But, where, but all I could see was, you know, progression in sales. And the third year, we turned over 150000 um, I say we because I wrote my mother into sort of, you know, would you mind answering the phone a bit, mum? Well, she ended up becoming, you know, over the next sort of 15 years, she ended up becoming, you know, customer service department, finance department, debt collection department, you, know, you name it, you know, <laughs> warehouse assistant, everything. So um, she came along that, you know, with, with the journey. She sounds like quite an asset. Um, an amazing asset and, and she she's still with us she's 89 but she would she would love to tell you that uh, when i eventually managed to retire her after 15 years she was replaced with four new departments and department <laughs> heads you know so that's her little that's her little nod to sort of how important she'd become in the uh, in, in the business um but yeah so so the third year was 150,000 and i think there was a modest profit you know a few thousand profit um and at that point, um, you know, obviously there was a lot of momentum. Um, I, I, it was too many boards for me to be making in the shed at the weekends. So I'd, I'd, I'd uh, sourced a, a sheltered workshop um, in, in Brighton, which is, uh, was then manufacturing them. So I'd had to make all the jigs and the tools and everything for them uh, to make it, um, well, idiot proof uh, in order to manufacture. And at the same time, uh, in doing the trade shows of the physio conferences and osteopathic conferences and, and what have you i was getting asked what other products i did right and you know, that that was the first stage of beginning to grow a business as opposed to survival and um so over the over the next probably you know two three four years uh, i added a chair that i got from um a chairman manufacturer that was always at the same exhibitions advanced seating um you know, I added a document holder, I added a footrest, and the beginnings of a product range began to form. Um, so I had a bigger portfolio to sell to my customers. And I was still in those days quite focused on um, the therapists and, and, and referrers, I suppose. Um, but I was beginning to get sucked into the corporate market. Mm -hmm. So some of those videos worked at, at companies. And then, you know, I began to meet occupational health people, health and safety people. And more and more, I, I quickly got dragged into, you know, a corporate, a business to business corporate environment. 
um, unwittingly, but it just it obviously made sense because I was getting volume sales as opposed to just one-off sales. Sure, sure. So with that, and I, I suppose from the early days to, well, pretty much now, th this is probably a bit of an impossible question, but I'll ask it anyway. How, how have sort of what people want, their requirements uh, for an office, how have they kind of uh, changed with, you know, with different work styles, uh, different equipment? I suppose computers have changed, which will drive that quite a lot. And actually, just people's willingness to put up with things, because I get the impression people won't put up with stuff now. They're, you know, if, if they got no, they well, want, they, if they got a pain in the neck, they want something done. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll try, I'll try and condense this. But the driver in the early days were the regulations. So there was always this fear of litigation. So the, the, the driver in, in, in the first 10, 15 years was the DSE regulations. Mm -hmm. So for those that don't know, you know, the, the display screen equipment workstation. <laughs> regulations which required every employer that had more than five employees to do an individual workstation assessment. So they came out in 1992, as luck would have it, so the second year of existence. And that created this sort of what I call the ergonomic market uh, and the curative sales, because you do these workstation assessments, identify a need for an employee that had some sort of musculoskeletal issue, make an intervention you know, with a product, i.e. a chair or a desk or a copy holder or a footrest, whatever, and, uh, and basically give them a bit of TLC and go away. And then you had a, a happy, present, engaged employee. Uh, you had a happy employer that had this problem person that might have been off, you know, absent on the sick, uh, costing them a fortune. So they were happy. So both parties were happy. But that was all driven by the regulations. And inevitably, as the workplace changed, to get to your point, as the workplace has changed in, in, this, in the last 30 years with the uh, increased use of computers and well, the reliance on computers. But of course, they used to be the big machines. They used to be the big, um, I've got what they're called now, uh, PCs, yeah. then flat screens, and then laptops and um, Surface Pros and, and uh, iPads and what have you. The regulations haven't really kept pace with the change in technology is one okay. thing and furthermore they've fallen even further behind with the change to hybrid working and um and well before hybrid working and covid it was hot desking and breakout areas um and all, all of that kind of thing so the driver became different and the driver became uh what was universally known as the google office so I think we all remember first hearing about the Google office when you know, the, the, the mighty tech companies in Silicon Valley created these wonderful places to work to, in order to attract the best talent. They had open plan, breakout areas, sofa areas, gyms Slide, in the office. Slides instead of stairs, that kind of thing. And ball pits. All of that. All that stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All of that. But it's funny, isn't it, how the, how the, how the, the, the sharpest tech were the first to embrace looking at the working environment differently. And I, and I think now um, that that's that's been uh, adopted um, universally um, and people are more conscious of both the employers are more conscious of, of the environment they need to create, but the employees are demanding it. And, you know, they're, they're at the higher end of the market in the in the finance and the legals, we, we've witnessed um, those sort of employers um, competing for the top talent by saying we have the best ergonomic workstations, you know, uh, that exist. Um, you know, so whole law firms would order sit-stand desks. 
Well, that would have been unheard of. And I, I sold my first sit-stand desk probably, I don't know, 25, 28 years ago. It was about three and a half thousand pounds. Um, it was like pushing water uphill. It was really hard work to sell it. And people thought, you know, the, the poor employee that had it thought they, was, they, were, they were from outer space. You know, what on earth's going on here, standing and working? Yeah. Certainly, it's not that long ago that they really were seen as pretty much witchcraft, I think. Mm. Desk that moves. Absolutely. You know, it's bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. But now, yeah, they're, they're a commodity now, practically, aren't they? They are. Uh, and, and the retrofit sort of that, that, sit, that, you know, you place a platform on top of a fixed site desk. So it's, it's, you know, the change has been enormous. But as I say, I think the general point there, it was it was driven by leg- legislation. It's been overtaken by best practice. Right. So I think we're in an era now where best practice and common sense and actually um, em- employee driven demand for better work, better working conditions. Yes. Um, no. w- one thing that I've kind of picked up on during and since covid actually is that people might be changing their attitude to work and thinking well actually there's more to life than working nine to five for you know 35 40 years and to some extent i think that's terrifying big business who need to find staff and they you know they need people to work for them have you have you sort of picked up on that and so they're using this kind of stuff to attract people you mentioned that a bit yeah very much so I think they I think what what um, furlough's done is it's created unrealistic expectations of lifestyle. Um, I mean, ultimately, you know, people have mortgages and bills to pay, and you know, still need to work. But of course, you know, they they've um, they've been spoiled, if you like, if that if that's the right word. And I'm, I'm not entirely convinced working from home is uh, is the answer. But you know, they, they've had a different environment that nobody ever envisaged is happening, and they've got used to it. They like it. They like the flexibility. Um, and I think in the early stages of it, productivity held up. But, you know, we measure it even in our own business. And there's no doubt that productivity has declined um, uh, over the last 18 months from, uh, from, the, from the home working environment. And people are distracted by, you know, being in their, being in their home, um, really? be it children, be it pets, be it, be it uh, Amazon deliveries, be it whatever. So, that, um, so that, there's that, a distraction. That's what- yeah, that, that's what you found in your business. Is, is that the feeling amongst sort of businesses in general, do you think? That's the feeling I'm getting around amongst the businesses in general. Okay, interesting. Yeah, we, we've got a very large, broad, broad base to uh, sort of get gauge that from. You know, uh, we're, we're, we're very close to our, our corporate clients. And, um, you know, so we, we hear the mood music and there's a general frustration that productivity is, is definitely on the wane now uh, and that honeymoon period was over. So I, I think that's watch out for that because I think that's going to be a, a common theme, um, and I think you know we we could touch on the mental health aspects of remote working and the lack of you know collaborative um, a collaborative environment where you're you know the human interaction, you know we are we are humans we are people buy from people was an old expression I always used to hear when we had seventy five salesmen, and um, and that was that was in the middle phase of posture right, you know when I was um, growing the business uh, at pace. Uh, I just always believed that people buy from people. And so we, we had a fully employed direct sales workforce of 75 people all around the country. So we had national coverage. And I just don't think that replicates on a, on a Zoom call or a Teams call to the same extent. You know, the little nuances, people's body language, you know, 
you know, j- j- the, the soft skills of talking about, you know, each other's hobbies or football teams that you support or, you know, what happened at the weekend or it, it, it you build a relationship face to face. I don't need to build a relationship over a screen. Um, so I think I think the, the remoteness and the distance is 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 is, got, is going to have a lot to answer for the people's mental well-being going forward. And whilst I think there is room for a hybrid environment, I don't think working from home is the uh, be all on the end all saviour that uh, it was made out to be at the, the, the peak of furlough and, and the pandemic. Right. Okay, that's interesting. Let me ask you about the responsibilities that employers have to staff that are working at home, because. You know, there have been all sorts of stories of, you know, people working in bed, working on the sofa or, or using a, the ironing board as a sit stand desk, that sort of thing. Um, you know, so lots of people are fine, but actually not everyone has space or a decent setup um, and it can be, you know, not great for them. No, that, that, and that is the problem. And I think that's been exasperated by the media coverage of it. So I put a piece out recently um, about the stock photography that you know, the BBC and Sky and other credible news organisations use. And one of, the, one of the regular images you see is a lady cross-legged on, on her bed with a laptop. Uh, so she's sitting up straight, but she's cross-legged on her bed with a laptop. And it, 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 it drives me mad because it's just not, not a realistic um, portrayal of, of home working. Um, so, you know, to answer your question, em- employers do have an obligation. If they're asking their uh, employees to work from home uh, on a computer, their obligations remain the same as they do as if they were doing it in their office at work. So, as usual, it's the food chain. So, the larger employers, the more responsible employers, you know, perhaps the better off employers, will provide equipment or provide a budget um, mm-hmm. for, to go and buy equipment for, for, for their home workers. So at the, at the top end of the spectrum, um, one of the large banks uh, is, a, is a good client of ours and would probably regularly buy, oh, I don't know, five or 600 chairs a year, for instance, um, on an individual basis for employees all around the country that had musculoskeletal issues. So we'd have gone in and done a higher level of um, workstation assessment, made an intervention, and as usual, everybody's happy. They bought in the last 12 months, I think they bought about 18,000 chairs from us. So, yeah, an extraordinary number. Um, and, and, but the difference is they've compromised on probably the quality slightly. So, whereas the spend before average spend might have been sort of three or 400 pounds, the average spend, I think, is probably about 125 pounds. So, clearly, like anything in life, you get what you pay for. So there's been a compromise on the quality of the ergonomics, but the provision has still been made. So it's sort of good news and bad news, really. It's good news that there's, there's that a provision's been made, slightly bad news insofar as, you know, they felt it's out of sight, out of mind, and not particularly um, uh, of a level uh, yeah. of prevention, you know, of future musculoskeletal disorders. More, more the provision of something that, you know, ticks a box. Let, let me ask you about the out of sight, out of mind. Because, you know, if, if, if staff are in the office, you know, you, you can get someone in uh, for an afternoon and give them a quick assessment and say, well, actually, you know, your screen's at the wrong height. If you just raise it a bit, you'll be fine. But if everyone's scattered around the country, you know, what, what on earth do you do? Because you can't, you can't have a member of staff driving around everyone's. Well, can you? Do people do that? 
visiting no, but, but actually there, 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 is a, there is a way of dealing with that with e-learning so we, we have an e-learning package um right. work right that um can be done remotely and in fact is encouraged so even even prior to COVID, but when, when it was um used in in the offices so envisage a large office with i don't know five thousand employees or something like that well it comes onto your own pc and there's a little bit of training about about your work you know workstation assessments then you do a little test to check you've done the training then you actually do your own workstation assessment and that okay. is then logged on a central database so the head of health and safety can skim skim through the uh, the red flags and see where uh, they need to um, direct their priority attention and uh, go and see those employees first and foremost are actually a red flag yeah. um, there is a way of doing it remotely yeah. I'm, I'm at, yeah I'm familiar with those um, I've, I've never used one I, and I know you guys are uh, in the business of, of, of providing them absolutely so um, this again probably a bit of an unfair question do they work or are they a way for the uh, employer to sort of cover themselves um, I, I think it's yes to both actually yes they genuinely work um, and the, 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 the quality end of them and there's, there's probably two or three market leaders in there and then you know they're all equally good um, the employee engagement you, you can't actually get to do the assessment until you've actually done the training and done the test and passed the test right. so the knowledge is given to them uh, <laughs> then they do the assessment it's it, it the, 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 the point at which it falls down I generally find is the budget from the employer um, right you know, they, they have to weigh up you know the whims of what what perhaps employees think they might like so we, we normally have a pre-agreed list of recommended items so if an employer uses uses this technology to sort of you know carry out their mass workstation assessments there will be a pre-set of products that are uh, eligible to then be recommended for those that need it which is fine and then that budget can vary you know yeah. that, that has to meet the company's budget requirements but yeah. yeah, yes, they they do work, and um, and, and yes, there's a there's a good engagement with them. No, oh, okay, that's good. But generally speaking, it sounds like uh, companies, big and small, kind of get it that they've got to look after their staff because you know all companies are only as good as their staff. Generally speaking, well, again, a, a, another trend that's uh, a, a bit of a generalisation, but wage inflation and staff retention have become, I think, the issue of the day. Um, we, we see the headlines of what the advertised inflation rate is around the country. I don't believe it at all. I think it's you know two or three times higher than we're reading in the paper of whatever they're saying at the moment, five, six, seven percent. I think inflation's running at about twenty percent, um, and that's filtering down to um, ordinary staff's expectations of what they need to earn, you know, to live and pay their reasonable you know living expenses. So we're seeing a massive jump in wage inflation. We're finding it hard to attract um, new talent at the uh, prices advertised. We've had to raise our, our levels. Um, we had to do increased uh, pay rises um, before Christmas. Um, and I'm hearing that everywhere. Every business owner, every business colleague I talk to um, has got exactly the same issue. So. Whether that's a combination of um, Brexit and less less um, less resource available in the market um, for the overseas workers that aren't here anymore, whether it's um, supply chain problems causing these um, the high rates of inflation, whether it's lifestyle change as you said earlier about people's you know what they want to do with their life and their quality of life, mm. and they don't want to sit behind a desk five days a week, 
it could be a combination of all of those things um but it's real and it's it's here and now and, and yeah. we're, we, you know, i think staff retention has become you know more important than anything i i guess time will tell that's probably one of those questions that if we could uh answer or find a solution to right now uh we'd be on our yacht somewhere <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah um, I know you've been doing a lot of work in, in the States or maybe slightly before COVID work in the States. Do they have similar issues to us or do they have a different approach to uh, um, work in the office? I mean, you know, people are people, essentially, but are they culturally different? Yeah, very culturally different. I think there's there's, there's two distinct um, um, <coughs> corners out there. One is the tech side where in Silicon Valley, you know, I, I, that's, I was just over on the West Coast, it's, um, they're ahead of the game in terms of their working conditions and their buildings and, and the way they, they're, they're structured. But mainstream America, mainstream business, corporate America, they're still on cubicle desks, um, which was crikey. I don't know how many years back we've got to go for that in this country, yeah. 20 years or so. Yeah. They're very behind and it's, it's, very, it's very noticeable that they, you know, they haven't moved with the times. They've almost let their little pocket of Silicon Valley exceed itself, and the rest has just stood still. Um, and scant regard is given to good ergonomics. Um, and in fact, I, I'd hazard a guess to say most most workstations I, I go and see in ordinary offices in America, very poor ergonomics actually. Um, so yeah, behind, yeah that's, that's interesting. Behind that... the curve, I would say. That is not at all what I was expecting you to say. Yeah, you know, I, I, I was, ex, you know, just assuming they were with it. But, uh, but no, interesting. Okay. Um, so, you, are you are you you're doing business in the states? Yes, um, Posturite. Were, um, we uh, took on a, a, a partner, a Fellows uh, Office Furniture. Um, oh, we we first started talking seven or eight years ago, and then they took a stake in Posturite. Because they wanted to expand their portfolio of uh, business machines, you know, people will know the fellow's name from shredders and laminators and mm -hmm. bank bankers' box, storage boxes, and what have you. So they're they're a billion dollar corporation, and and they wanted to move more into the healthy workplace. So they took a stake in Posturite, and then two years ago they exercised their option to buy the rest. So we are now a subsidiary of Fellows Brands. Um, and very proud to be so um they're a tremendous run company fourth generation privately owned um the ceo john fellows has a vision to um expand further the healthy workplace offering that fellows have throughout their existing distribution networks all around the world so i think you'll see in time you'll see the posturite brand um doing direct business around the globe um because traditionally fellows are an indirect brand they're through distribution Right. Uh, and that worked very well for them for all their business business machines, air purification, um, and uh, the, the ergonomic furniture that they do have. But they've bolted on Posturite to expand that offering. So it's it's fun working with a global leader. Yeah, interesting. All right, well, good. I hope that continues to go well. Um, towards the end, I want to ask you a question, uh, and this this is real crystal ball gazing. Um, about cities. Cities develop to a large extent uh, through work and the way people work. You know, you've got central London with loads of great office blocks and, you know, the transport has uh, developed a, a, around that. Do you have it with 
the way we work and also, also COVID has got to be a part of this mix, how cities might develop in the future. Because uh, a, a lot of people would have, have been saying, oh, you know, all working at home and you're saying you're not so, so sure about this home working thing. Can you see cities kind of changing dramatically in the future? I, I can. I mean, I certainly wouldn't want to be in commercial real estate. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think that pain's been felt yet. Um, and having just been in San Francisco and we stayed in the financial district, it was like a ghost town. Really? And you just looked at all the high rise and you thought, when will this ever be a full capacity again? So I think what will happen is that all the companies in time as their leases renew or come up and what have you, will take less space. So that has to have a knock-on effect, but there's a, there's a surplus amount of space. They'll take less space because they'll rotate when the employees come into the, into the central city, so into the central office. Yeah. Um, so whereas, say, if they've got 5,000 employees in the old days, they'd have had 5,000 workstations. You know, if you're 5,000 employees, I think the future will be you've probably got 3,000 workstations at best, maybe, mm-hmm. and you'll rotate when they're used. Um, so naturally, you know, they're big beasts, these, these companies. They will obviously see the opportunity to reduce cost and give greater value back to shareholders, uh, and that will be a reduction of office space. So um, I think for a while, I, I, if I had to guess, I think you've probably got a decade of oversupply of space, you know, before the natural growth of an economy, you know, grows to fill it up again. So I'd expect to see less cranes on the skyline in London um, yeah. over the coming years. Um, bit of a sort of uh, pause, bit of a pontoon stick on stick on eighteen, and um, and and wait for wait for business to evolve and grow and generate, you know, to fill up that space again. Yeah. So I mean, of course, all this all this sort of thing does have uh, an effect on on businesses like yours. You know, you, you supply the stuff that the people in the offices and who are working at home use and need so are you are you spending time thinking right you know what's going to be the situation in five or ten years time well probably you've always done this i don't know yeah we've always thought ahead um and you know what 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 we're thinking about at the moment is uh more relevant products for the home working environment so space is a key driver to that space and fitting into a domestic environment so we've got smaller fold-up desks, uh, portable desks, um, desks you can hang on the wall, for instance, um, seating that actually blends more into a domestic environment. So we, we've we've put our energy towards expanding the product range to better fit the home working environment. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I think, uh, prior to COVID, we were at a level three months into COVID, so sort of by June, we probably dipped to 50% of our turnover, like a lot of other businesses. But we very much picked up, you know, two or three months later, back to the same level of turnover because of the home worker um, demand. Right. So we're operating now um, above uh, pre-COVID levels, uh, but, the, but the, the, the split, we've had to pivot the business side, the, the, the split is different. Uh, the product range is different. It's a higher, higher volume, higher quantity, less value. You know, obviously pressure on margins um, at, a, at a lower value of product. Um, but that's here to stay, and we just made sure we've positioned ourselves to, to to take care of that. I think the biggest casualty for me in COVID was the fact that we we took a, took an early decision to make redundant quite a few of the field sales because 
I, I foresaw even way back in you know June 2020, June July 2020, when we were still you know going into the thick of it, um, that that wouldn't come back in a, in a hurry. So to be fair to you know the the, the the men and women that were in their sort of mid twenties, having done nothing wrong, got a sports science degree, came to work, posturite, field sales, great career ahead of them. Um, they I, we had to let them go because they just weren't going to be doing knocking on doors, going and visiting you know businesses sure. in, in the foreseeable future, and that's not even happening now. You know yeah. the the twenty five sales people that we have left are doing literally 95% of their business over the computer. So it's it's changed. You know, we're, they're still not being invited back into offices still to try and do workstation assessments. We, we, we do a lot of remote workstation assessments, um, which works actually, but still nothing beats face-to-face. Um, so they're beginning to come back, but it's slow. The people have embraced the technology and used the technology. Um, and that's going to be here with us for a long time. So I think for the business, it was a good decision. For them, it was a ter- you know, terribly unfortunate position to find themselves in. But I, I hope that they were ahead of the game and um, were out there in the market you know, looking for jobs before a higher number of people were out in the market looking for jobs. Yeah. So okay, well, that's what we had to do. Yeah, I mean, I think things move on. If, if biz- business owners that are responsible for looking after their staff you know it might be a few staff or it might be a few hundred staff are thinking right based on what i've chatted about i think i need a bit of help from fletch um <laughs> or certainly uh, yep. some, someone in his staff what's the best way that they can um contact you uh contact the business to just to find out the sort of help they can get um, the obvious thing, it's a bit of a cliche, but obviously on the website, um, which is posturite.co.uk, um, on the website, you, we, we list all our account managers and, and they're regional based. So there should be, you should be able to sort of identify where you are postcode wise and you can contact them directly. Um, there's obviously a customer service line on there if you prefer to pick the phone up and speak to us. I mean, you can speak to the account managers um and then always look for me you know i'm, I'm available um and ready and willing and will guide anybody to the relevant person within the organization but we're here to give advice um it's not all about a sale um we, we can help and we can help companies navigate through what they should be doing for their own workers we can help individuals with problems so we we, we span the whole spectrum um and we position ourselves with just hopefully being you know, the musculoskeletal experts in, in the workplace. Excellent. All right. And I, I will make sure that uh, your website link is on my blog uh, as well. So, Fletch, thank you very much indeed thank for taking very much. the time to chat. Very interesting. Good luck with the, the, the changing future. And, um, yeah, keep crystal ball gazing and ahead of the game. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, Mike. I really enjoyed chatting with Fletch. Uh, at the start, I mentioned that he and uh, Posturite are customers of, mine, customers of mine, and I sell them some rather lovely chairs. So have a look at them. Go to the Posturite website, that's posturite.co.uk, and put in back app in the search bar at the top, and then you'll be able to see them. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. Scalar light is the quantum energy emitted from the universe from the sun and stars. 
Now, Tom Palladino, a humanitarian and scalar light researcher, has created the world's only scalar light healing system, a system that can bring long-distance healing and wellness to humans, pets, and plants via a photograph. Get your free 15-day trial now at scalarlight.com or click on the Scalar Light banner on the UK Health Radio website. Shields like masks are top of mind right now. But did you know you have inner armor working constantly to protect you from pathogens? It keeps you healthy and thriving. It's your immune system. Ion Gut triggers the body's natural ability to support gut strength all year long, so your immune system can protect you when you need it the most. How are you treating your inner armor? Visit uk.ionbiome.com to learn more. Ion Gut. Protect what protects you. The station that makes you feel good. Thank you very much to Ian Fletcher Price, founder and CEO of Posturite, for being my guest this week. And of course, thank you to you for listening. That was the Relax Back UK show with me, Mike Dill. Thank you for listening, and please do join us again next time.